When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Stories with Briscoe and Bradshaw. I'll be Bradshaw. That would be the WWE legend, Oklahoma's favorite son, the birthday boy, Mr. <laughs> Gerald Briscoe. And we got 1.5 billion, 1.5 billion people going to watch this show because that's their fan base in just one country alone. <laughs> two of the best guys I've ever met. Two entertaining guys, two fun guys. The Bollywood boys, welcome to the show. Set the bar very high there. Hey, well, that's a, you set the bar high there, John. Come on, man. Don't put that pressure. 1.5 billion. <laughs> I'm expecting, and, and, and somebody may watch like twice, so it may be like 1.7 <laughs> 1. We'll billion call. views we're going to get on this show. We're calling right. family. Yeah, start watching this now. <laughs> All right, I'm thrilled to death to have you guys on. You know, we, we got to be related. You know, I'm an Indian too, so you know, <laughs> we got to be related somewhere along the line. Yeah, no, do no, they, do they hate Christopher Columbus as much as you do? <laughs> yeah, well, I got, I got, I got to get. I've never heard from a, from a real Indian. What you guys think about Christopher Columbus? Do you guys have a day in in India that celebrates Christopher Columbus Day like we do over here? Which oh, I don't God. understand why. <laughs> To find India. I think that was the whole, the whole rib. He was trying to find India, but he ended up in Canada, right? Oh no, he ended up in Plymouth, right out of uh, Massachusetts. I think it was somewhere. John, you're the smart one of the bunch. Where did he no, end up? He, up in, he actually ended up in the Dominican. Uh, yeah. Española used to be called. He ended up in the, that's a long way from Canada, John. Yeah, he didn't make it to North America. He made it like to the Caribbean, which is technically North America. But yeah, he was he was a little lost. Very lost. Well, yeah. <laughs> and, he, and he wasn't really that good of a guy, other than being a slave trader and murdering a lot of people and committing genocide and stealing everything people had. He was a wonderful person, and he got lost. No, <laughs> no, not only against us did he commit genocide, but all up and down the Caribbean, he's going in there committing genocide on all all, all the uh, southern tribes down there. He was yeah. hated so bad, Jerry, that they had a hurricane off the coast of the Dominican, the country, the country that he was the first one that found for the Europeans. Obviously, it already it his people had already found it. And they would not let him dock in a hurricane. And he up stranded in Jamaica or Jamaica, came oh, wow. in one of the two for about a year because they hated him so bad. But when I think sink his damn ship. When I think about wrestling in India, man, it, it, since we're talking about it, like it goes hand in hand. I remember going to the like when we were in India in the early nineties and we would be there and like when you guys were coming to to India, but you guys were like God, like rock and roll, like you know, these guys were like rock stars. I remember like just even like talking to Hunter when we did that show for India a couple of years ago and uh, they put together this uh, video package for the show and he was talking about how, you know, like it, you when when you guys would go to India, like there would be riots because people in India yeah. still believe to this day that wrestling is, it's a shoot, <laughs> you know, they don't, when they find out it's a work, man, it, it, they get hot about it, so. <laughs> uh -huh. 
You I mean, know, you play- uh, that, that, to me, that'd be a perfect kill. I'll go over as American and, and claim you're Christopher Columbus, claim that, you know, you discovered <laughs> the real Indians in North America. You know, you guys are all phony. Oh. <laughs> Just so you guys know, I, I, I've i sent Jerry a, a card or a note every Columbus Day for the last 25 years and Thanksgiving. Yeah, Thanksgiving. <laughs> Don't forget Thanksgiving. Yeah, and, and, and he likes to like really mean text. Uh-oh. <laughs> You guys are Canadians. You know we how how we celebrate uh, Thanksgiving down here. It's a great holiday. I mean, you know, families get together, they celebrate. Yeah. You know, the true meaning of Thanksgiving. You know, is Christopher Columbus. I mean, why in the hell did you have a holiday? I mean, I'm not even gonna get into it because John knows I'll, I'll spend an entire hour and a half. <laughs> That's about Christopher Columbus. So let's get off that subject, man. Let's talk about wrestling, man. Wrestling. Let's talk about the Bollywood boys. Yeah, oh. the Bollywood boys. You know, you guys have various various uh, gimmicks throughout your career one that you just recently had and disposed of the one that john and i was talking about man is hill deluxe was it was a bollywood blonde man tell us a little bit about that but first of all you, we were all talking before we came on about you know your beginning to wrestling i understand your father was the first one he used to take you guys to stampede wrestling what to what stampede wrestling. you remember any of those characters that that you saw back in those days and what was your impression of it yeah, no, so like uh, we were talking off air, uh, our dad immigrated to Canada in the mid to late 70s, and he went from Toronto to Calgary, Edmonton, and then finally made his way to here in Vancouver, British Columbia. But uh, when he was making a stop in Calgary, he would go to Stampede Wrestling, and uh, this is obviously years before we were born. So, <laughs> you know, he, he would, uh, you know, he just growing up, he would tell us stories about the Hart family and seeing Dynamite Kid and Davey and those guys come through the territory so you know even as kids growing up like that's how we kind of started watching wrestling as you know just just my brother and I our dad and our mom like the four of us so like wrestling was a very like a bonding time for us as a family we would watch it you know when you guys were at your peak on Monday nights and you know we would watch the superstars on Saturday mornings and and that's how I kind of came through. And for us, we just literally up in Canada, we all we got was WWF. We didn't we didn't even get WCW till Brett went to WCW in like <laughs> right after 97, 98. So up until then, all we got, all we watched was WWF. And Harv, I'll let you uh, take over as well whenever you want. Besides yep. the besides the Stooges and APA, who were your favorite favorite guys on on Monday Night Raw? <laughs> <laughs> well we love APA like you just said man but we watched the early episodes of Raw um, you know like again early Bret Hart when Bret was champ after defeating Yoko uh, Sean was big up here uh, Taker all the big larger than life characters you know we got the we got the Razor Ramones the Diesels and uh, you know just watching all those characters made us fans of the business because they were such uh, larger than life characters yeah no like I remember Daz told us a story that he's seen Bret when he was just in stampede and for him to see him when he became world champ and we were just kids and he'd sit down and watch with us and tell us stories. Oh, I used to see this guy when he was just wrestling a stampede. And you know, we're six years old, nine years old. We didn't kind of, you don't correlate it, but now looking back, I'm like, wow, like, you know, here's a, you know, a guy who immigrated from India to Canada and he used to just go to stampede and 10, 15 years later, he's watching this guy used to wrestle being the world champ. And, you know, obviously we talk about Brett. He was huge in Canada at that time, you know, magazines and newspapers. So that was our introduction. It was like Gretzky and Brett, <laughs> you yeah. know, being Brett. <laughs> yeah, so no, that's that- our introduction to professional wrestling, you know. What was the spark? I mean, you're watching there. When did, when did you guys, you know, hey, hey, brother, you know, we all try this stuff. What, what, what was the 
point that, that you made up your mind as to what you want to do? I think for us, and Harv, you can jump in whenever you want, yeah. but I think when uh, Brett and Sean did WrestleMania 12, the Ironman match, that we were glued to the television set that day. And, uh, you know, we were just in awe of the match itself and just watching the athleticism, the storytelling, and captivating the audience for one hour. But by the time we had the mid 90s, 96, 97, that was, that was pretty much it. We, there was never like an actual m moment that we're like, okay, this is what we want to do like we just kept watching and watching and while our friends maybe grew out of it or like you know family members who kind of grew out of wrestling we just continued watching it and for us it wasn't a matter of like because like my brother was just saying you know brett hart and wayne gretzky were like the guys that we grew up watching for hockey and wrestling and you know we grew up playing ice hockey as well there was a tiny moment that we wanted to be nhl superstars you know because yeah. we we grew up playing hockey so uh there was never really a moment moment where we were like okay this is, this is it but uh <laughs> Uh, Go we ahead, went to in Seattle. Uh, it was right across the border. It's about a two-hour drive, and I was about 14 years old at that time, and you know, about to graduate high school. I remember being at WrestleMania 19, you know, seeing all you guys there. I remember just again, 14-year-old kid just sitting there and like pyro going off, and seeing the rocks entrance and watching you guys. I'm like, this is insane, and I definitely want to do this. And yeah. uh, you know, at that time, you're old enough to understand that you know, okay, this could be a job as opposed to, you know, when you're a kid and you're just kind of fantasizing about what you want to do, you know, you want to be a Batman as a kid too. But by, by the time you're 14, I was like, this is it. And I remember WrestleMania 19 was definitely a, hey, this is it. This is what I want to do. And graduated high school, didn't go to college, <laughs> didn't go to university, nothing. Went straight to wrestling school. Yeah, and, and even to even to like backtrack from rest before 19 was the very first uh, live event you guys put out here, uh, Jerry and John was... Uh, W, the in your house pay-per-view international incident and uh, you guys came out here and i remember we were just we were just hungry to get tickets and we were just like running around for going to the next ticket master to grab those tickets from with our parents and that was our, this was july 1996 when sean was champ and just watching you know sean and owen and bulldog and i think uh, john you worked uh savio that night so uh you know that, that, was, that was for us we were just in awe again like every time we, we were just yeah, we just grew up big fans of the business. And, and I think that's what carried on from where we, you know, we, we were just like, this is, this is like, this is it for us. And even right now on the outside looking in, the dream and the journey isn't over for us. You know, this is just another hurdle we have to go over. John, John, was that, was that when uh, Kid Rock first came to WWE or did a pay-per-view or was that, who were you, you remember the entertainer? Cause I remember oh, that's there was, right. there was an it. international incident there. That Everybody knows Kid Rock's uh, you know, affection for uh, cannabis and uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, his plane got busted and, and uh, seized up by the Canadian government, I believe. Wasn't that right, John, or something? I like think that? that's right. Yeah, I don't know if he got a ticket or what he got, but yeah, I think there, I think there was an incident. <laughs> I, I think the, a, a Kid Rock was four years later. That was oh, uh, this four was, years. This later. Was, yeah, yeah, this was '96, but I, I know what you're talking about. We were trying yeah, to. Get he he was that. Baby Rock at the time. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Man, you guys were so hot, like. You guys are selling out tickets coming to Vancouver in 30 seconds. It was it was hard to get tickets back then. You know, wow. Vancouver was what was a hot city for us. You know, back, back in, you know, in 95, business wasn't that good. It started getting good, you know, in 96, 97, especially when, when Stone Cold ended up getting hot. That's when business really took off. The whole Attitude Era, you know, had, we had a great roster. But the Vancouver was always a good town for us. 
you know, yeah. Toronto was always a good town. Montreal was a good town. Calgary was not always a good town. You know, was, I, I, sometimes old territories weren't good towns. Right, they right. Like their style of wrestling. Yeah, yeah no, we I didn't always we didn't always do well in Memphis. We didn't always do well in in places that WCW used to run or say uh, World Championship Wrestling used to run. It was, it was unique how some towns were different uh, markets and same same business, but were much hotter. Vancouver was always hot for us. Yeah, like we were saying, like you know, up here in Canada, all we got was WWF up until you know mid nineties when when it all changed. But uh, you know, for us, just seeing you guys come up across the border was a huge deal, and it it, it, be, it be almost like a party. It was almost like a WrestleMania well, celebration. You know what I'm saying? Well, Go ahead. I got you know just before the pandemic hit, the very last TV we did, there was a SmackDown here in 2019. It was sold out at the Rogers Arena. And uh, Gerv and I, we went to the same seats where our dad bought tickets and we sat as kids. And it was, it was just like a full circle moment for us, you know, like and we performed on 205 that night and it was such a special moment, you know, like who would have ever thought, you know, two brothers from Vancouver, we actually got to wrestle in a WWE ring in the same arena where we sat as kids. And it was, it was such a yeah. cool moment for us. Well, well speaking, of, speaking of that, you know, here in the States, you know, there, there's wrestling schools and, and, and every nook and cranny of, of, of yeah. the entire United States. Finding one in Canada to train you guys, how did you guys, what, what, what did you guys do? What did you have to put together? What was the process of you guys finding a school and, and getting the money and, and, and going to it? Right. Yeah, so I, I I was actually the first one to uh, start wrestling school by by five months maybe, and uh, uh, the way we I got started was I was I remember seeing OVW. Everybody was talking about OVW. This is like mid two thousand, about early two thousand four. So I would uh, email the school out in OVW, but never hear back. And then finally, um, I heard about like, we all knew about the Hart family, their dungeon. So I actually wrote a letter to Bruce and Ross Hart and uh, told them that hey, I just finished up high school. And I would like to uh, start wrestling training. And I told them about my background, ice hockey, taekwondo, and, uh, you know, whatever martial arts I did growing up. And anyways, they, t they sent me a letter back. And this is before, you know, you would submit stuff online like they do nowadays to get noticed or whatever. So we weren't getting any looks at. So they sent me a letter back saying, hey, pay us this much and uh, come on down to Calgary. So I was able to uh, get down to Calgary and do two and a half months of training in the dungeon just before they sold the house. So that for me was a huge honor. What a blessing it was just to know that who's who of our professional wrestling has come to come through those doors and, you know, the walls, you know, if those walls can talk, they would have stories for days. So uh, just to be down in the dungeon with Bruce, Ross Hart, uh, this is the time when Harry, TJ, Natty were kind of just starting up as well. So, you know, I got my start down there and made our way back to Vancouver and um, started training with them. A couple of journeymen that have been around, like Michelle Starr, Vance Nevada. These guys have been up and down the roads in Canada. But, uh, yeah, blessed to start in Calgary in the dungeon. That's how we got our start. And uh, it's a great badge of honor that we to, we carry to this day. You guys didn't hear any ghosts screaming down in that dungeon. <laughs> <laughs> no, not, no I, but I've heard the stories, man. I, I, I'm sure, Jerry, you know more than we know about those stories. <laughs> Honky Talk Man tells the greatest story about beating Stu. It's a cold porch and Stu's outside. And first thing you know, it, he's got his arm bent up over his head and he's got him turned around and he's kind of all stretched. He's like, what in the world have I gotten into? That was his yeah. first he met him in like 30 seconds. He's stretching him. That's hilarious. Was, well, was, I don't remember the, I don't remember. I remember when Stu died, but I don't remember right. what year it was. Was Stu still alive when you guys were there? No, 
No, I was just going to say he had passed, I believe, eight months before I got down there. So I had just missed the, you know, um, you know Stu Hart and uh, heard his stories. But, uh, you know, Bruce was just tough as nails, man. And uh, I this was still old school when, uh, you know, I started out. Right? You know, they were still trying to stretch you, see if you would come back the next day, which I would leave training. I would wake up the next day with just like chop marks all over me and just beat up. And, you know, we still I still get on the bus and go down to uh the dungeon the next day and uh, you know it was just a way of uh, and it was like a badge of honor you know they want to see how tough and how badly you really want it so you know times have changed since then but uh i wouldn't want it any other way were yeah, you the only one there during that time no there's a couple other local you know i believe uh, like i said uh, harry tj and natty were down there but uh i believe from from that class i was the only one that actually kind of made it so to speak oh. yeah I'm sorry, were you about to say, say something, Harv? I didn't want to cut you off. Yeah, I was going to say, like, after that, we just, you know, we used to just get in our car and drive across Canada and just wrestle. We, you know, we learned a lot from guys like, you know, you mentioned Honky Tonk, man. One of my first 10 matches was against Honky, and I was, just, again, this head, and, you know, I'm in the ring with Honky Tonk, man. I was nervous and learned so much in that moment, you know, and crowd psychology and all that and like guys like tony candelo and we did the harley race camps so we would just get out we would just travel get in our car and so like you look back now we got to train with harley tony candelo guys like honky like you know we learned a lot just picked everybody's brains and um there was one year i remember we logged fifty six thousand kilometers by car because canada's massive country and it's not state you know there's not 50 states it's just 12 provinces so if you want to go from Vancouver to the next town, it's Calgary, which is 12 hours. So the drives are super long. And man, we, we would just get in our car and drive and drive and drive. And, and there was one time we had to drive 76 hours to detour out of Winnipeg. That's like another story. But yeah, we would just drive and just learn on the fly. Yeah. And the problem, the problem that we faced a lot growing and coming, you know, uh, coming up for our careers in Canada was there wasn't not you know you you the guys the WWE wasn't coming up this way so for us to get looked at we had to go from Vancouver to wherever the the yeah. you know the, the producers were going or the agents so like my brother was just saying you know we would go to Harley's camps in Eldon Missouri we would just fly from Vancouver to Eldon Missouri and just go there and hoping that you know Tom Pritchard is going to be there or I believe one year DiBiase was there so we were just trying to get looked at looked at it and we would go down to Rip Rogers school in OBW and you know we saw like you know Jim Cornette was going to be there. So we would try to be in front of, you know, whoever the agents that were working at that time. So for us, it wasn't just staying put in Vancouver and waiting for you guys to come knocking on our door. We had to go where you guys were to, you know, and hell, like I remember the first time we met you, Jerry, was uh, at the FCW camp. Uh, we saved every dollar we were making with, with our part-time job to go down to Florida to go train. And this was still when, uh, you know, you would have to pay to go to these camps and not like they would select you. You, we would just pay whatever it was and we would just want to get in front of you guys and just get noticed and that, that's been the story of our careers just go where the opportunity is <laughs> when you guys were in, uh, in the in the dungeon did you ever uh, befriend any guys that gave you any advice on where to go and how to pursue a career was all this just you guys' research and trying to make it in the career and working your butts off I, and uh, reading uh, I remember reading Adam's book Edge and because again, he broke out on the Canadian independence too. I remember like, being in uh, my English class in grade 11 and writing down every tour he did in Canada. So like the Maritimes, the Tony Candelo one was a big one. I remember writing down Tony Candelo's name. I still have that piece of paper. Huh. So I just wrote down everything Edge did. Because in my mind, I'm like, if Edge did these tour in Canada, 
and he made it. If I just follow these tours, I'll make it. So we actually just did that. We just did. Yeah. So that, that was your blueprint to success. Yeah, a, really lot, a lot of it. Yeah, it really. And honestly, man, like going back to even like like now that we're talking about a lot, so much of the memories are jogging back right now. Like, you guys were coming to Toronto in two thousand eight oh, for yeah. for t- for TV tapings at the Air Canada Center, and uh, the, I remember we we're like, okay, so WWE never comes to Vancouver for any TV taping, so we're not gonna get any extra work or even get a look at. So my brother and I. And this is a true story. We flew one way from Vancouver to Toronto. We weren't even booked as extra talent. We had called talent relations department leading up to these TV tapings, and we kept getting we kept getting no, 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 no. Okay, so we just who like did I you said, talk to? Ah, uh, we won't name drop them. <laughs> oh come on, yeah, come on. They're was probably the no longer talent relations. <laughs> was it Canadian talent relations or American? Talent it was American. It was American. So we were just we were just getting a no because obviously it was so far. I guess you guys were already booked up for extra talent, but we just flew to Toronto. We lied to Air Canada security that we had talked to TR, and we told them all about it. And we're like, oh yeah, we're so and so. We're booked for this uh, event here tonight, and the security at the Air Canada Center believed us, and we weren't even on the list. So, anyways, we get back. Through security, we lied to them. We drop off our stuff in TR uh, at the extra talent room, and uh, we're just standing in the hallway handing out eight by tens. We I remember <laughs> handing one. Yeah, it's a true story. We we were we we gave one to Mike Rotundo, we gave one to Dean Malenko, and uh, I remember Vince was walking by with a hundred that day, and we just quickly shook hands. We just introduced ourselves, but we just we were just there. We just wanted to get an opportunity. Long story short they finally realized that these kids had lied and they were not even booked. So we got removed from Air Canada Center just before, you know, TVs were starting. And, and, and the producer that came up to us, he was like, hey, listen, I understand. I appreciate what you guys have did. But, you know, protocol is protocol. You guys are going to have to leave. So as we're gathering our stuff and heading out, we bump into Chris Jericho. And uh, we're like, hey, Chris, you know, Gerv, Harv, Bollywood boys, you know, we grew up watching you, big fans of your work. Uh, we did the Tony Candela tours. And uh, as soon as we said Tony Candela, that's where we broke the ice with Jericho. And we just started talking about the tours that he did for Candela back in Winnipeg in his heydays. And uh, he gave us his contact information. He was like, hey, give me, send me your stuff, stay in touch with me. And uh, whatever advice and feedback I can give back to you on your work, I will do so. So over the years, the last 15, 16 years, we've been stayed in touch with Chris and uh, he's been great with us. But uh, again, the reason I'm telling this story is this hustle you know that's 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 been our our whole mantra has been hustle and you know we've always just wanted to go get these opportunities rather than just sit around and wait for them so a lot of people don't understand you get the door slammed in your face a lot as 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 somebody trying to trying to get into this business still pretty closed business you know but i you know i've i've heard stories that you you shared with us about chris jericho before and chris is one of the good guys out there that 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 helps helps up and comers like that. I've heard it time and time again. So, so I'm proud of Chris uh, for doing stuff like that. But you yeah. guys have run into the other guys. Hey man, I don't have time for you. But Chris yeah. and 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 yeah. Edge Edge uh, Edge is the same way. I mean, Edge yeah. goes out of his way to help people. But you guys were were very fortunate you ran into Chris because Chris Chris opened some doors for you, right? Absolutely, yeah. and. It- we don't know why it still took us 10 years to get to the WWE after that. You know what I'm saying? But like, <laughs> we were never discouraged. And that's one thing I think if any listener or up and coming wrestler can take away from our stories is that never get discouraged. We were never discouraged. We got like you said, Jerry, we got the door slammed in our face many times, but for us, this is all we've ever wanted. 
and there was never like a plan B for us. It was this was it, you know. And why we don't know. We just loved what we do, and uh, even now, like you know, we're 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 no longer with WWE. That doesn't mean our story is over. We're not discouraged. Uh-huh. Like you know, we're lucky we have each other, and that's a big thing. You know, having a brother or somebody that you can lean on, and you know, like hey man, like if I'm down, he's lifting me up, or vice versa. So even with the during a run with WWE, John, you know, like you were there, like uh, when we first got called up and uh, we were, you know, we had no idea what was going on, but we were there with each other and we were learning on the fly, literally. <laughs> well, I got thrown out of my first WWE locker room too. So we're, we're ah. <laughs> I did. I came, I came in from Europe. I'd wrestled for auto for two years. I come into Philadelphia for a tryout match and I was supposed to go WWE and then WCW if they didn't sign me, that was my plan. And right. I go to Philadelphia first for the pay-per-view and Tony Gurria throws me out of the locker room. <laughs> yeah. What, I go, what, what are you doing here? I said, well, I'm, I'm here for a trial match. He goes, who do you talk to? I said, uh, uh, Bruce Pritchard and Pat Patterson. And he goes, uh, well, they're, uh, they're busy. Uh, you're not working. You need to get out of here. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> well, that was a great tryout. So it was snowing and I couldn't get a flight out. I thought, screw these guys. I'm, I'm going to WCW. So I went to the airport, and it was a snowstorm. Couldn't get a flight out. So I thought, well, I'll go to Bethlehem tomorrow and see if it changes any. And sure enough, I get to catering, and there's Bruce Pritchard. He's <laughs> nice, as, nice as he could be. And then I end up having a tryout match. And thankfully, Jerry signed me right afterwards. So to well, Tony Gurria, that damn Kiwi. Threw me out of the locker room. <laughs> and today, and today's Tony's birthday. I think he's 117. Today. Is it really today's Tony's birthday? <laughs> wow. His two pay is 80. Yeah, at least. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's well, the cheapest man alive. Well, it's funny because when we that that Toronto story come came full circle for us years later. That's where our NXT contracts switched over to our main roster contract. So for us, uh, it was a you know it was a you know what a what a what a it came it was a full circle story for us just to uh just to have that happen so what was the first big break you guys had that you actually got into a territory a place uh, a minor league whatever it was and actually was, started making a little money and thinking okay i, I yeah. think i have a chance here yeah the first one was jeff jarrett's uh rink the king yeah. we couple yeah this was about 10 years ago now uh and before that i mean before that you guys were just kind of working independence as best you could everybody else yeah Yeah. just on and somehow jeff jarrett got a hold of our youtube video clips and that and uh we got it was dutch mantel (laughs) (laughs) who called you it was yeah so basically uh you know, we were uploading our work on YouTube just like everybody else was back in the early 2010 or 11. So uh, I guess TNA was starting up a project in India called Renka King, and uh, they were looking for Indian talent. And there were, you know, besides, I think, us and Jinder and maybe a couple other guys, there weren't many, or Sanjay Dutt, there weren't many uh, active wrestlers. So they were going to train, I think, 50 local kids off the streets of India and just put them on this show. But uh, somehow, like my brother was saying, uh, Jarrett came across our YouTube links and he was like, holy, man, these, these kids actually work and like their personalities and charisma. OK, like so uh, actually, uh, I think it was Dan Angler that called us first and oh. uh, Rudy Charles, <laughs> good old Rudy Charles. So Rudy Charles calls us uh, with Dutch and uh, they lay out the plan for the Rinka King show getting filmed in India. And uh, yeah, man, that pretty much put us on the map because that show the first set of tapings that we did were in December of 2011 and they released a show in January of 2012. And the first 
week of ratings where like 24 million people watched it or something. So, <laughs> it, yeah, that it's insane. And, it's yeah, insane and, the numbers and, in India. Yeah, and like I think the second week was maybe 22, and that was like looked like that was frowned upon, like 22 million. How dare you, right? <laughs> you're going up against cricket and Bollywood shows, basically. Yeah. So, Jeff Jarrett, man, we owe him a lot, uh, a lot of um, everything that well, we did. Sorry, go ahead, Harvey. That was the tour where Jeff and Dutch sat us down, and you know we were doing we were calling ourselves the Bollywood Boys, but nothing about us was at that time like uh, Bollywood, and they were like they taught us about how important the entrance is. And I remember they sat us down, they got us like Indian background dancers and they went through this whole thing. And that's something we've carried through our entire careers, but we learned from, uh, you know, Dutch and Jeff in that day of like how important your match starts when the entrance happens. Yeah, so Jeff, Jeff was telling us how those, those 90 seconds are so important that that 90 second entrance that you do is gonna set the tone of whether fans are gonna care about you or not. So that's something that we've always took with us, like my brother was just saying, and they got us dancers and they, they because up until then, we were just doing shows in gymnasiums or community centers, but uh, they finally showed us what TV wrestling is. Did yeah, you guys did from... you guys make it up to Harley's uh, Harley's territory, Harley's training facility? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that yes. had to be an awesome feeling. Harley Race. I mean, you know, yeah. two guys from, from Vancouver. Yeah, know, BJ yeah, and Harley were powerful. Yeah, no, yeah. I, we have pictures with Harley, we, which we really cherish because we got you know, a lot of not a lot of guys can say they spent time yeah, under yeah. hard earning tree and being you know being able to say that we spent time with him is something we really cherish. Yeah, they, they uh, India was such has always been a market that was you know so coveted by wrestling, you know, but nobody's really been able to break it. You know, we went there in I think '96 or '97. I think we went, and I right. was supposed to one of the, one of those tours. I was supposed to do the the press uh, the press conference before it. And I got stuck uh-huh. in London because I was doing I was doing uh, follow up you know press comments for, for tours because I was hurt, and so I was stuck in I can't remember the year, but I was stuck in London, and they needed to get me to India for the press conference, my first time to go to India, and so they the the, the, the airport was shut down because of high winds, so they flew me out of Luton Airport. They're gonna fly me to Cairo on a private plane, and then wow. try to fi- get permission to fly airspace over I think Saudi Arabia to go to India. Well, they never got his permission. So I got like 12 hours in Egypt. It was, it was awesome. <laughs> I flew private down to Egypt. I get there and I said, well, can I do something? They go, yeah, we got probably 12 hours before we know if we got clearance or not. So I went and saw the pyramids. I rode a camel. I went to the Egyptian museum. I went to the Nile. It was, it was great. And I never made it to India. Never uh-huh. did. <laughs> no, it was years later. You know, I told you the story. I went to India years later. I had, I had a blast there. I went to Udaipur, yeah. Jaipur. I went to Delhi, went to Mumbai. Yeah. I worked in the slums of, of Mumbai and Delhi with uh, some yeah. great programs that work in, in poverty areas. Got right. a bunch of soup made in uh, Udaipur. I loved it. In fact, I told you I loved it so much I tried to learn Hindi, but I'm not smart enough. Jerry told me I should learn English first. <laughs> Well, the great thing for us was like going to India and working working Rinka King was, uh, you know, again, that's where our parents are from. And to go back and, you know, give back to them and give back to our family back home in India, it made everybody proud. And, uh, you know, years later, we went back to India with WWE as well. And that was another, you know, amazing, beautiful moment for us just to go back again to where our parents are from. Yeah, do, you guys, do you guys speak Hindu now? Hindi, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Your, your parents, that was the language that you used at home, right? Yeah, we grew up speaking Punjabi, Hindi, you know, watching. We were very close to our uh, 
culture or religion, you know, we're very, you know, even born and raised in Canada, we were, uh, we're, you know, very close, like I said, and uh, to this day, you know, we're still, uh, we still speak in Punjabi with them and uh, very proud of our roots, that's for sure. I, I'm one of the best advice, you know, even our whole Bollywood shtick, it comes from Eddie Guerrero, uh, believe it or not. Uh, I remember meeting him, we met him as, you know, fans outside of uh, uh, PNE, the Coliseum in Vancouver. And we asked him, this is, again, right before we started training, we were like, hey, Eddie, what's the best advice you can give us? Because we wanted to see how tall he was and if he was the same <laughs> height as us, right? And Eddie happened to be the same height as us, just this wide. And uh, we are like, he's like, you know, it's, it's what's in here that matters. And he pointed at his heart. So he's like, don't let anybody discourage you about your height. But then we also were like telling him about the idea of the Bollywood boys. And he's like, that's where he got the idea. Like, when he was doing his little Latino heat stuff, he, he was trying to be Latino heat, but with a cool factor. So that's where it clicked for us. Like, hey, we can be the Bollywood boys and make it, put a spin to it because we don't need to be the angry, oh, we're from India, we're bad guys, boo us. We were like the cocky Bollywood actors. So, you know. They, we wanted to be heels not because we're from India, but right. heels because we're moving from India. You know, because usually when you're foreign, it's like you're a, ba- you're a heel because you're from India. <laughs> you know what I mean? And and our thing was, well, we could be Bollywood movie stars and that's why we're heels. Um, but we've kind of been faces most of our career, which is funny. But uh, well, that's how it was back in the day. You know, Jerry will tell you that was that's how it was everywhere. You know, it's still yeah, right. it's changing because now it's a global audience. But when you went to Canada, you were a heel because you're an American. You went to Mexico, you're yeah. a heel because you're a gringo. You went to Japan, yeah. you're a heel because you're a gajing. You know, you go to Europe, you're a heel. And, you know, it's just and when they come here. Same thing. They're heels uh, in America. You know, it's just, it's just all, it's, it's the most simplistic thing, but it, yeah. it, it worked back in the day. Yeah. And we don't like this person because he's not from our country. You know, right. it doesn't really, well, doesn't really say like, a lot about our culture, but what the business was at one time. Yeah. Right. But now like 90% of our, the audience that we wrestle in front of are non-Indian people. And like, we get so much love. We get showered love and, People want to dance and do the Bollywood dance and they, they want to they embrace us and they they they, they accept people. And it's, it's amazing. It's a beautiful feeling. Like we go to any show, like we will be in Seattle or Portland or New York and people are everyone's doing the Bollywood dance. And it's just like, you know, like 90 percent of the rosters and the crowd is non-Indian people. So you know, it's just amazing. To how, see did, that. how did Dutch Mantel do it in India? Oh, my <laughs> <God>. <laughs> That's you, a different actually, and by the way, you guys don't remember, Dutch was my manager, and I, I rode with Dutch. Dutch is one of my best friends. I love Dutch, by the way. He's one of the most entertaining, funny guys I've ever been around. That got over, John. Yeah, that got over big. <laughs> <laughs> I mentioned Dutch in India and the whole, whole damn Zoom Oh, well, thank Frazier's up on I don't know if y'all knew it, but y'all were frozen there for a while, so... Uh-oh. I think you're unfrozen now. It was Dutch Mantel. Oh, okay. Yeah, Dutch. Harv, any Dutch stories for you, buddy? Dutch. <laughs> he, was, he was great. He was great. He always wanted to learn about the culture. Do you, guys, do you guys have any funny stories about Dutch in India? Did, how did it get along? There's got to be some. Oh, yeah. Hey, <laughs> so, our, our, hey, we just come back finishing the match. Hey, Dutch, did you watch our last match? I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Dutchism. I sure hope so. <laughs> I used to guys used to come back and go, man, that was that was that that was that was okay. Dutch or I said that was no Dutch somebody say that match was pretty bad. Dutch go, it wasn't that good. 
<laughs> hey, hey, Dutch, who's going over in our match? I don't know. Grab, clip a rupee. <laughs> yeah, you always had these one-liners for us. Did you guys great. have? Uh, were you guys working in front of live crowds there when you're taping all that stuff, or it was a studio audience, or just live crowds? It was, a, it was a studio audience, and actually, it was our our like the final tournament match was against Scott Steiner and Abyss, and that was oh my god, like there was, <laughs> that was. Hey, Scott, I don't know if you've ever seen the footage. It's on their YouTube somewhere. He jumped into the crowd and people are like running away. They had to call the police and yeah. it was it was yeah. a gong show. Like you, all you see is like thousands of people just sc- scrambling because Steiner's chasing after them. Gerv and I are in the, in the ring having no idea what's going on. <laughs> Shall we go help our – Shall we go save our people? <laughs> I used to see Tiger Jeet Singh and Stan Hansen do the same thing in Japan. Yeah. Oh, Jerry, yeah, Jerry probably saw Abdullah too as well. Wow! Did you, did you guys ever know Tiger Teeth Singer? Or yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We were uh, we actually did a show for him uh, years ago in Toronto uh, called the Tiger Fest, and uh, he accompanied us to the ring and just still, still, he looks like he can still whoop some ass, man. He's still up there, man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like strong as an ox, and he's old school strong too, and not like you know. <laughs> protein shakes and whatnot but he's just like you still got the grip still got the handshake but uh, no tiger and he was always good to us he tagged with the guy that i i told you guys about that had the blonde hair in japan mr Weda, ueda he passed away a few years ago Weda was a tough tough old heel but he was one of the first uh, japanese wrestlers to have the blonde hair and oh he got <laughs> so when i saw you guys i thought the same thing with the blonde hair i thought of mr Weda, who was he was a hell of a heel. Well, oh. for, sorry, go ahead. Wada owned about half of Kumamoto, which is the island down south. So we went down there. Everything was on Wada. True story. We're with Wada, and James Beard was a referee, Jerry. And uh, <laughs> he'll tell you next week when we see him in Vegas the same story. Wada had been out like for two straight nights. I mean, up the entire time. So he had all of his mafia connections. He owned a bar down there. He had friends down there. And, <laughs> and and he had been up for three nights. We're in a six-man tag. He falls asleep during the six-man tag. <laughs> he finally hit crash and fell asleep. And I said, James, what happened to Wada? He goes, oh, my God, he's asleep. Wow. <laughs> he was literally <laughs> on the ground snoring. Is this after a clothesline from hell? <laughs> James wake James woke him up, literally went and woke him up and he did the finish. Wow. That's awesome. <laughs> Old school, that, man. <laughs> that's what blonde hair will do for you. <laughs> Falling asleep during our matches. <laughs> so my, my big question is always, why not India? I mean, I, I'm talking about wrestling. You know, you guys were there. And I just thought it was a brilliant idea by Jeff and, and Dutch. He had some great people around him. Why didn't it work? And why doesn't it work? Why why do why do people I, back in the nineties yeah. we were trying to bust open India and you know we we're always trying to look for a great in, the next great Indian wrestler or something, you know, because every time you'd open a territory, you know, you needed Davy for England, you know, you needed uh, a Japanese person for Japan, you know, we needed an Indian. And we're always looking for one, but we never did figure out the key to unlocking India. What is the key or is there I, one? It's, it's hard. India is like, it, people love WWE, but it just seems like it stops at that. You know what I mean? Like, it's like they want WWE and anything else is kind of underneath it. Um, and also like, they don't really want, I don't think they want Indian stars. Like they love Cena. 
they still love Cena. You know, they, they talk about Bret Hart and Roman Reigns and all these guys. And then when you introduce Indian stars, they, we, they never really quite click. And it's again, it's one of those things where it's like cricket, Bollywood, and WWE. And it's very hard to maneuver that. And any if an independent wrestling comes comes in, it just doesn't quite work. Or you try to make an Indian star, it doesn't quite work. And they're kind of set in their ways. And I, I don't know, Gerv, what do you think? I I, I know I, I know Kali had great success. Obviously, he still has success in India. Jinder did too. And you know, so do we, when we were the Singh brothers uh, alongside with Jinder, I mean, that was like the peak of like Indians superstars making you know making waves uh going back to the show that we did in 2017 in new delhi you know it, it, it was the first time i believe wwe was in india almost close to 20 years and you know the, the reception we got was amazing i just as far as like you know what they're looking for i like my brother was saying guys like cena the rock austin like you know going back to Bret Hart when in india they, they those guys are to this day 30 years later almost like you know a guy like undertaker is like when you talk about india and undertaker it's amazing like you can you cannot walk down a block in india to this day and not see an undertaker poster or an undertaker action figure and the respect that i the, the bar has been set so high that's pretty much i think the best way for me to explain it is that the bar is set so high by the greats from 25 30 years ago that it's a very very hard ceiling to break and that's my honest opinion i, I believe that's what it is like the guys like taker brett you know, uh, point sorry, there, movie stars in India are literally worshipped. Like you think of Brad Pitt or Tom Cruise, they're popular, but they're not worshipped. But when you go to India, like you, there's movie stars like Shah Rukh Khan and Amitabh Bachchan. And you probably, I don't know, John, you might have seen these guys by face, but these guys are literally worshipped. They've built temples over <laughs> these movie stars. So to to say like, to reach that level almost, it's it's unheard of. And so, like, again, a guy like Cena, he's on that level. So when Gerv's talking about that bar is set so high, man, it's like you can't just come in and be like, hey, I'm a great wrestler or, hey, I'm, I'm in the WWE. You need to get you need to get there for them to really love you to that point where they're worshipping you. Yeah, but, you know, I agree with you. You know, in fairness, every generation only has one or two of those. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, you know, so like, like Cena was – you know, the general, the greatest of his generation, obviously by far. And there was, there wasn't anybody else close to him in America either. You know, so it wasn't yeah. just India, you know, yeah. just you're trying to find somebody to replace him. Nobody could replace him, you know, and, yeah. and that's, that's the tough thing when you have, that's why to me, they say wrestling is cyclical. It's really not cyclical. It's you, when you've got a guy that is so big, a guy like Cena or a guy like Stone Cold or a guy like The Rock, and then eventually something happens. They either go to Hollywood, they get hurt, something happens, and they start the career starts fading off. And there's so much behind those guys, for good reason, because everybody's making money off of them, that there's not a good follow-up for a while. And so right. when you talk about how wrestling is, is cyclical, it's really not cyclical. It's just attraction-driven. Right. It's hard finding those major attractions like a Cena, and, like a Stone Cold, like a Hogan, like a Joe Briscoe. <laughs> and also the brand, the WWE brand is so massive in India. I think uh, a few years ago, I remember sitting in a meeting where we were talking about just numbers on YouTube. And like, I think it's Bollywood on YouTube and then WWE. Like, and, and majority of the viewers on YouTube for WWE are from India. So like, yeah, you know, just, one... I'm sorry, man, cut you off. One, one thing that I think has helped that was uh, Ambani. You know, Ambani is, yeah. is our, it depends on valuation. Ambani's richest citizen. 
And, yeah. right. you know, he what he did was he brought Internet to the masses. And so he made Internet so cheap that it wasn't like you were seeing a, a migration. People looked at it and got the wrong uh, result for, from the same equation that gave him a, should have gave him a different one that said people are going into the middle class in droves because look at the proliferation of video. Well, the, what happened was Ambani had made it available to everybody. So now, you know, if you go in the slums of Mumbai and Delhi, which I was in last time I was there, people have internet there because it's yeah. so cheap. Who wants to go Wi-Fi? Yeah. And so everybody's watching videos. And that's one of the reasons I think you have so many videos watched is because there's so many people there and it's so much cheaper in India than it is in a lot of places because yeah. of Ambani who took it to the masses. Right. Yeah. Wow. I mean, to fill you guys in, actually, I just came back from Mumbai actually a month ago. Um, one of the things I wanted to try was break into Bollywood because when we were in WWE, we would get messages from like actors and we were interacting with all these guys. So I'm like, let me go feel this. And so I just, I just went out there and I was out there for about a month. And let me tell you, man, I was able to get into some really big meetings and like production houses and casting agents just because I was in WWE. They didn't see my acting. They didn't do any auditions. And I was able to just feel big meetings. Cause I was like, Oh, this guy used to be in WWE and that doesn't really work in Hollywood sometimes. You know what I mean? In Hollywood, like how many wrestlers have tried to make it in Hollywood and it doesn't really happen. Where in India, I was like, it like the word WWE goes so long. And to me, that was a big eye opener. I was like, Whoa, like now I got to deliver in my auditions. But <laughs> yeah, you know, Hunter like, told me a story very similar. Uh, he was in India. I believe it was India. I don't want to get it wrong, but it, uh, he was, there in India and there was one guy he could tell was going to be the problem with the meeting. And so yeah. as, as the meeting goes along, finally the guy wants to ask him a question and the guy wasn't being a jerk. The guy was nervous being around Hunter because he remembered the attitude era. Right. He to ask him wrestling questions. <laughs> yeah. So well, finally, you, you know, he, he was such a big fan. He didn't know what to do. And, and when he started opening up, Hunter realized this meeting is about to go very well. Uh -huh. <laughs> well, even this the, year, there you, you, you underestimate sometimes the extent of WWE ar around the globe. It's yeah. such a powerful presence. Oh, absolutely! And just you know, one final thing, like just talking about, like this year's WrestleMania, I believe, was the most watched in India of all time, like ever. Like you know, you think about all the WrestleManias that have come and gone, and like this year's was the most watched, and it's just because in India, the brand of WWE is just growing, getting bigger and bigger. And to go back to what my brother was saying, and you know, like, it's just, it's such a, like, guys like Cena going back to, like, I remember Cena going to a mall in Mumbai, I think it was, like, 15, 20 years ago, and to this day, I don't even think a Bollywood star has filled a mall like that for an autograph signing, whereas Cena, I think that they had, like, it was ridiculous, so the, the brand is just massive, and, uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it, to this, and it's only going to get bigger, I feel like, I feel like the, uh, India is, like, the backbone of the wrestling world. You know, you know, it, 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 it really, it just to have that, all those views, all those eyes on the product, you can't, it's just, uh, there's no, there's no other way to explain it. So when you make it in Bollywood, are you going to bring uh, me and Mr. Briscoe along with you to play? <laughs> just like some bit parts, Not, you know, nothing big, you guys can, fancy. You can I, I, I don't want any character roles. I don't want to have to dress up with a headdress and all that. <laughs> well, we, we, we. We, we, you guys will probably have to be the uh, the bad guys in the movie then. That's well, right. I, I, got, I, got the, I got the king of the bad guys as my partner there, so that won't be a problem. <laughs> That's right. <laughs>
I, I just started one TV show, The Huntress, and and of course I got killed at the end of it. So I'm used uh, to it. It's perfect. <laughs> That's what I'll happened call. to me in wrestling too. I got killed at the end of that too. <laughs> the end of every storyline. So we're, we'll happily come to India, be the bad guys in Bollywood, but China, but we want to be official Bollywood boys. <laughs> well, I would go to well, you, we Fine. we got boys with a Z. You guess boys with an S. <laughs> <laughs> I, remember going to a, I remember going to a meeting and uh, this casting director is a really big casting director in India and we're talking about the script and everything he's like can I talk to John Cena <laughs> I'm <just> like, <laughs> but, just like, you know, like can I get a movie out of this <laughs> tell me this did, did, you, did you just put John Cena's name on your phone so you ain't looking at my phone you know what you need you need, that old that that old guy Jason Sensation who used to imitate all the wrestling. Right, right. Yeah. You need to get Jason Sensation on the line and say, "Listen, I'm going to introduce you to John Cena, then Hulk Hogan, then <laughs> <laughs> the 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 tour that never happened in India." <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So how uh, how right. how did you guys uh, you finally got the call? Uh, how did how did that come about when you finally get that call? Hey brother, we're we're going up now. And that had yeah. to be a relief, man. I, oh, sure. I, oh, ahead, I worked uh, a retail at a retail store selling sports shoes. <laughs> I was that for well, eleven years while wrestling on the independence. As I remember when Gerv called me, he's like, "Hey, Regal's about to call you." And I knew at that time it was like, "Okay, we're about to get the call." I remember I had a customer. I just dropped the shoes in front of them, <laughs> and I walked back. <laughs> I'm like, "I'm getting a little call of a lifetime. I don't care what size shoe you need." <laughs> yeah, I know it came out of like you know they say when you least expect it. That's what it was. You know, all these years we were sending stuff to, uh, you know the, you know the higher ups, and uh, you know it, we never got a flat out no. That was one thing we never did was uh, hey no, don't get it, don't 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 email us, don't call us. We don't want it. We don't want to ever hire you. It was almost it was always like you know not right now, time is not right, but stay consistent. So when we got that email, the very first one was for the cruiserweight class tournament that they were going to be taping at Full Sail University down in, in 2016. So, you know, they were like, hey, we want to bring you guys in for the CWC tournament. It's going to be just all the wrestlers under 205. So we're like, cool, okay. So we get down there. And uh, even that was more of a tryout for all of us. And we didn't put that pressure on ourselves. Like, you know, we're like, let's just, we're here. You know, we're wearing a jersey, the one we always wanted to wear. Let's just go out there and do our best. And one thing led to another. And then finally, we got an email from Town Relations again saying, hey, you guys really impressed uh, Hunter. And uh, he wants to uh, offer you guys a job. And we were just like, wow. Like, you know, like it, when you when you just kind of just relax and just don't put that pressure on yourself, it just, it just worked out. So uh, finally got the call. And um, literally everything happened within, I think, three months. We got the call that they wanted to sign us in September, 2016. And we were in Orlando by 2016, November. So within two and a half months, everything was done. And, and we were moving from Canada down to Florida. And whose idea was it eventually? Cause you guys, what point in that did you end up getting put with gender? So the gender run came again out of left field as well. Uh, we were down at NXT and I literally remember we were just finishing up a uh, yoga class at the performance center on a Friday afternoon. And I get back to the locker room and I pull out my phone. I have a missed call from a 203 area code on a Friday afternoon. And I'm like, that, this is not a good thing, right? On a Friday afternoon, yoga just finished and now I have a missed call. 
anyways, I called the number back and it was the travel department. And they're like, hey, uh, you guys are needed for travel on Tuesday at SmackDown tapings. We're like, okay, cool. And we thought, <laughs> yeah, exactly. We thought we were going to be flying back for the 205 live show because we were doing uh, 205 live tapings after SmackDown as well. So we were like, okay, cool. We're going to go down and literally we show up to Louisville, Kentucky and uh, Road Dog, who was writing SmackDown at that time. And Harv, you can jump in whenever you want. Yeah, and he got it here. <laughs> they yeah. just pulled it and he, he was like, hey, we had this idea. We're going to pair you with gender. He was like, this is kind of like what I did with Jeff when I was the roadie. Um, gender is going to be R and you guys are going to be with him. Um, he didn't specifically say that gender was getting the title at that point, but he did allude to like, this is going to be big. And he's like, this is going to be big for your careers. And he's like, remember him saying, he's like, I don't, I'm not sure if this is what you envisioned, but I would suggest that this is something you guys should take up. And it was like, at that point, we're, we weren't going to say no either because we were just in NXT, but we were like, whatever. But yeah, for us, we knew that we were going to be the side acts and it was important for us to play our part. And I think um, Gerb and I did that well. Like we never, we never tried to do something that we weren't supposed to. Like we were the Singh brothers. We were, you know, hey, we were the cronies, the lackeys or whatever you want to call them. We played it, you know, as opposed to like trying to be something we weren't. You were the Indian stooges compared to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Hey, hey, we've all done it. Me me and Ron were the, the guys for Taker when uh, they say, okay, now Stone Cold's going to come to the ring. And Taker, if you'll roll out, uh, hit John over the head with a chair, and <laughs> great. Was... Yeah, yeah. But for us, we knew that th those were our opportunities to shine. It's like when we started working that program with Randy Orton and, you know, doing the stuff with him. And, you know, everybody talks about the backlash bombs, the Punjabi prison bombs. And that was, those were our moments that we wanted to create and make sure that, you know, whatever they did, uh, we looked good. And we wanted to make sure that. So was it true that Randy got uh, filed on for attempted murder or that uh, back <laughs> bump to the table? Oh man! Well, I, mean, I love Randy, and, and so I'm, you were John. His you dad were is that. his dad Tell is you. dear to me. But yeah, when yeah, he bump. took that bump, even Randy goes, "Yeah, <laughs> I've just killed someone." <laughs> well, and, that bump made it. Made it. And we, we, yeah, yeah, thanks to you, we we protected your hat though. I remember my brother coming down and. Your hat was out of the way, though. Thank you. Thank you very much. Very, it's very kind of you. Uh, Harv, you want to fill on? Yeah, no, that was, again, I remember as we got those calls, like, because um, we were still going to the performance center and still doing the classes and while we were doing the stuff with gender initially. And uh, I remember talking to Sean, and Sean was like, in the position we were in, he's like, if you get one bump, make sure they replay that bump, you know, cause we, we were the side acts, you know, and you're not working or, but he's like, if you get that opportunity to take one bump, make sure, you know, and uh, yeah, those bumps got replayed for sure. So it, it, you know, being in the position we were, I thought we maximized our TV minutes and even like the Punjabi prison match. I, I, that was, I asked Randy, I'm like, Hey, can I, I climb to the top and fall off this? And uh, John, you know, like that was Randy letting me shine on a pay-per-view because again, yeah, I'm right. I'm a second Randy's act. Great that way. Yeah, I'm a second act. You know, it was it was matches between Jinder and Randy, and we were probably just gonna get bumped around. But like for him to give me that moment just to climb up, and I mean that was cool for me that Randy allowed that. You know, and, and John, big, but he let me do that. And John, I don't remember. I don't know if you remember this or not, uh, but I remember you telling us once at a TV tapings, uh, and you were telling us like how we're playing the roles of you know chicken shit heels to a 
the perfection where where it's a lost art and you were saying that you know nobody does it anymore like the way we were doing as far as the heels that you know they come in and get get beat up and then do something nasty but then beg off so just old school heel 101 stuff which you know to your point at that time was you know no one was doing it so we wanted to make sure that we were doing it to uh perfection yeah you know a tag team that was that was actually really good and kind of gets some flack over the years is is skip and zip right those guys those guys were good workers yeah they were the chicken shit heels just like you talked about they're the guys yeah. that beg off, beg off. And then once they get on top of you, they just beat the hell out of somebody. It's just, right. it's just heel one-on-one. Right. You know, when you're on top, you're the toughest person in the world. But the minute you get punched back, it's, oh, hey, 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 hey. Right, right, And right. it's, to yeah. me, that's one of the most fun characters to play is that chicken shit heel. Absolutely, man. It's old school stuff, man. <laughs> is the Punjabi prison not the worst idea that was ever created? Oh, my I, God. It looks fake, and there's nothing on it that doesn't hurt. Oh, yeah. it's, it's solid. It's solid. To me, it don't, no- it don't even look safe in the ring with that, especially when, when you climbed up there. You, you, had, you had cojones bigger than grapefruit when you, when you made that climb. <laughs> I, I remember watching that at home. What the hell is going to happen from here? Because that thing didn't look safe just to grab a hold of, and there you are, here you are shimming up a damn bamboo but- pole there. Well, it's funny uh, when I was up there and Randy was like, you ready to go? I was like, yep. And as he gave me the last punch, he's like, you're one crazy motherfucker. <laughs> and, <I'm>, that's- <laughs> <laughs> and, and you're going down thinking, you know, this may have been a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> and, I thought you guys fun. were great. I, I thought you're, you were so on top of your game when you came out with it. It was just, it was a perfect heel to me. You know, and all kinds of heels are different. You guys are coming out dancing and doing all this stuff. And then right. when you get on top of somebody, you guys are two toughest guys in the world. Then the minute something happens, you beg off. It's just, I would sit there watching at ringside go, this is awesome. And honestly, uh, I know you're, as a commentator at that time, a lot of the stuff you were saying about us gave us confidence. You know, believe it, I don't know if I ever got a chance to tell you that or not, but like just as a, from, a, from that heel commentator's, uh, perspective you were giving us so much confidence like okay you know you, we don't know what you're saying about us but like for you to put our work over on television and you know well for us to watch it back we're like shit man like john's putting his shit over so that's cool <laughs> i enjoyed I remember, it yeah thank you i remember the, the best part of after the punjabi prison bump was uh larry the train larry heck coming back to and they hey john the Bollywood boys want ice and, <laughs> beers. and, and, and hey, ice is for uh, beers, guys. Not, not, to, not, not for your elbows. <laughs> we thought we had so much heat with you after that. We're like, shit, man, are we wasting like company ice here? <laughs> the first time Larry went overseas, he goes, nobody's coming to see me. I've got nothing to do. Cause we told everybody, you, nobody goes sees the trainer. You're a bunch of men. <laughs> <laughs> so Larry would have ice. Go, Larry, ice is for beer. It's not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was great, man. Once but I, you wouldn't let it down. I, I had to get because I literally landed on my elbow after the Punjabi prison. I had to get ice, and man, Larry did not let that go. And <laughs> Larry's the best. Yeah, he's great. He's great. Like, but I, 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 I was telling my brother, I'm like, yo, don't grab ice. We're gonna have, we're gonna have heat with JBL, man. <laughs> hey, I've had heat with JBL for 25 years, <laughs> and it gets worse every day. Yeah. Oh, thank God we're in Canada. <laughs> exactly. So that, that, 
that that entire gender role was fun, man. We we were like we had the best seat in the house to learn. You know what I'm saying? Like we were we were ringside. We were listening to uh, Randy put the match together. Psychology. People forget about the just because we were on the outside doesn't mean we weren't learning, man. Like what we learned in that six month run with Ginger and Randy was something you can't you can't teach that stuff. That was like old school on the job training where they just where we were like a sponge just soaking all the information in. And yeah. uh, you know. That's right. When you're with Randy Orton and, and you're that close to Randy and you're, you're listening to his psychology because his psychology and his ring work is, is second to none. I mean, I, right. as John likes to remember, I go way back to Carl Gotch and Hackensmith days, but uh, <laughs> man, to watch Randy out there and, and have that experience uh, to kind of rub elbows with him and just, just listening to that brain power that he has putting together a mash and, and then seeing him execute what he's putting together and his his smoothest in the ring to me, Randy is one of the all time greats to me. And that had to be a thrill of you guys standing there at yeah. ringside watching this guy. Yeah, and I mean just like all the live events, all the international tours, just the DDTs, the RKOs, man, we had a blast. Like you know, with Randy, and he was just again so giving. Every time we worked with him, he always gave us a spotlight in every match where it wasn't yeah. just like round and got a little bump. Where there was stuff where. You know, it was like, it was cool, meaty stuff where, you know, there was a nice little spot in there for us that really would get the crowd. And, and Cena was like that, too. We did a, a, a loop. And, and Ginger, Ginger was no slouch in there. Ginger was able to hang with uh, Reddy, too. You know, yeah. The step there. So you, you guys had two perfect guys to learn from there. Yeah, absolutely. And even winning uh, Randy's respect automatically had us over with the locker room because, you know, with winning randy's respect means all the other boys are going to welcome you in because we were just two kids coming out of the performance center straight to the main event picture so we were making sure that we you know we were we were, we were keeping old school and gender to your point jerry was teaching us life on the road on the fly because it wasn't like we got a here wow. guys you know it wasn't like okay this is what you guys are going to do we were literally called up to the main roster told to get in a car drive to stockton california we're hitting the road like just just like that that's it and gender you know he smartened us to the business hey offer water to the main event you know make sure you uh, are the last two out of the locker room and make sure you guys sweep the floor clean up the locker room and this is all stuff that's old school territorial stuff that we right. weren't like oh we're not gonna do it we were like hell yeah we're gonna do it because sure. this is what we love we you know we wanted to win the locker room and you know i remember the usos coming up to us and giving us props and like guys like that like you know who have been around it yeah, man, just uh, just learning the ins and outs of the business that nobody really teaches you down anywhere else. You can't learn that stuff in a wrestling school. You have to learn it from guys who are right. vendors. So Jinder was there, and he was teaching us on the fly. Uh, and we, we learned the road life through Jinder. So you're we very, very lucky of that time. You know, there's a famous book written by uh, the, one of the coaches of the All Blacks, the New Zealand rugby team, probably the greatest team in, in sports of the last 30 years. It's Sweep the Sheds. <laughs> And that was the whole mantra of the New Zealand New Zealand All Black Rugby Team, greatest team, greatest rugby team for sure ever, one of the greatest teams ever. But when they get done, they would sweep the sheds. They, the sheds right. being the, what they called the locker rooms. Right, right So these right. guys would go out and they would win. When they won a world championship, a world championship, they swept the sheds. They swept the dressing room before they came out and talked to the press. Yeah, yeah. wow. It, it was just Absolutely. amazing. I, I brought over when I was in, in running a, 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 the charity in Bermuda, Actually, my friend Gareth Noakes was running at the time. He had taken over, and we brought over a U.S. Islander team to play the Saracens, which is probably the greatest rugby club in the world. Or at the time, I think it probably was. And he had all these Islanders that were coming over to Bermuda to play this game. 
thousands of people out there and, the, you know, the beer cans everywhere. Once the game got done, I said, where are all the, the Islanders? They were out cleaning the field. Wow. They just played the game. Everybody come to yeah. see them. They were cleaning the field. You know, it's just, it's just a matter of respect. And I, respect is so cool in sports. And I remember back in the day, you know, every once in a while the locker room would get, where it would get a little dirty. And, and a lot of times you'd see the old guys. They'd be the ones yeah. that would come around and start picking up towels and picking up stuff around. You know, that was a mark on all of us that if we left some arena in a trash heap, it made us all look bad. And yeah, so right. it's just a matter of respect for guys to, to clean up the locker room. Well, it's yeah, such a cool business that we're in that yeah. respect is, is, is so important. Yeah, very much. Years, we, we did that. And, and the Usos were, after three years, they're like, hey, boys, you don't have to do this anymore. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, I, came up to us once after three years of doing that they're like uh, you guys don't have to do it anymore so we're like okay i think we're in the clear <laughs> <laughs> but, it's, it it's, <laughs> but it's almost it's a, it's a badge of honor you carry like hey like we came up the old school way like again you know it wasn't like we got drafted to raw or smackdown it was just like hey we got called up you guys are hitting the road even our Euro our very first european tour you know we mistakenly unknowingly it's a funny story now but like uh, getting on that tour bus and we went and sat in the back the yoko seat not knowing that the back seat is for like the, the you know the higher you know the, the main event spot the who's who right and we, we were sitting in the back just quietly and like you know Usos come up hey ball your boys to the front and then uh, we picked up we picked up our bags and just moved right to the front but without saying anything and we you know we were just uh learning on the fly man again we wouldn't give up those memories and those moments for anything because i feel like Nobody learns like that anymore. Where like, hey, just go learn. Like, we 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 literally learned on the highways with Ginger, on the highways with Randy, or like on the tour bus. So we're very grateful for for that old school time period. Jerry, who was the security guard that lived down there near you? Uh, was it Jim? Not Jim. Jim Tellus, but uh, Jim. So one of the first times he he flew on the corporate plane, he was uh -oh. like you guys. He all he wanted to do is just not be noticed. You know, he <laughs> wherever nobody else is sitting, you know. Jimmy yeah, Kelly, Kelly, right? Uh, Jim Kelly, that's right, Kelly. Yeah, yeah, good, good guy, yeah. good guy. And he Great hates guy. this day for this. So there, he had all the big stars. Hogan was there, Stone Cold, a bunch of guys. Vince was the last guy on, as he always was, because he was taking care of the bags as Vince does, you know, and the people and making sure things were fine. Jim gets on, and there's two seats. There's one back in the back, and there's Vince's chair. Uh -oh. So I say, Jim, that chair is always empty. Just sit there. Goes, okay. so <laughs> to this day, he gets mad at me about this. Um. And Vince comes on and sees him, and he's just nice as he can be. He goes, uh, hey, pal, how about we uh, switch chairs here? And Jim gets up and realizes that I've had him sit in Vince's chair uh -oh. up here with Steve and Hogan. <laughs> it, that... I, I am so happy he wasn't armed. Cause I, I think he would have shot me. Yeah. <laughs> Cause that TVC looks like he is. <laughs> That's right. And he would have been a hero, John. <laughs> yeah, no, that is, that is not nice, Jerry. That is not nice. Oh man. So what happened to your guys' blonde hair? Yeah, oh, I, I love that gimmick guy. That's I was telling John. Me and Jerry are fans of your blonde hair, by the way. So we, as soon as, you know, we wanted to do it actually on 205, but it kind of never fruitioned. It was kind of, we were about to do it and never kind of took off on 205. Then when we got a release, that was the first thing we wanted to do. But the issue is it damages your hair and I don't want to go bald. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, we got to a point where like, this is cool. 
<laughs> I'm like, I'm losing air. I'm like, it's too damaging. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it, it's still there, John. It's still there. So, you know, but I feel like just having the Bollywood boys name attached to us, we'll be all right, John. What do you think? You guys, what do you, unless you guys dye your hair blonde and, you know. Hey, if we're part of the my, Bollywood boys, we'll dye our hair, hair blonde. Yeah. You better believe me. <laughs> <laughs> Jerry and I will be smooth blonde. Well, it's funny. So after I transitioned from gender roles back to uh, the Bollywood boys on 205, uh, I remember the very first time we were finally in our gear and, you know, we had our tassels on, my brother's got his Bollywood earrings on and he's just looking very, fle- you know, he just, he just looking very charismatic with a lot of personality. And Michael Hayes walks by, he looks at us and he's like, boys, you guys are 25 years too late for this business. <laughs> <laughs> just the way we were looking, you know, the old school, he, he like very charismatic looking guy. And then to us, that, that was like a, okay, that was a good compliment. Like, hey, like, uh, you probably would have been all right with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> so what are the Bollywood boys doing now and what how can they how can our folks if they want to book you guys for appearances are you guys doing appearance how do they how do they get a hold of you now yeah well, at ball booking and gmail.com we're busy i mean it's you know we've been blessed since since our release like there hasn't been a time where we'd be like oh man i wish we had wrestling we're every week there's so much wrestling on the independence and we've been traveling to new york carolina across canada we've been doing great stuff out in seattle with defy wrestling um so yeah at bollywood booking 10 gmail.com the biggest the biggest problem we faced after our release was being obviously being canadians we need work visas so uh you know defy wrestling like my brother was just saying out of seattle they really uh stepped up and took care of us they got us uh working visas to, you know, continue work in the States, make a living. So, um, you know, we're very thankful for Matt Farmer and the entire team out there in Seattle that took care of us. So again, we're every weekend we're busy and, um, you know, we're all across Canada, United States. So, uh, people love Bollywood. People want Bollywood. Come on, JBL. You know that. <laughs> I, yeah, I love Bollywood. I love yeah. I love Bollywood. You corrected yeah. me on text today because I always yeah. said 1.4 billion people are behind you. You told me it's 1.5 now. So I, it, it, uh, one, sure it was wrong. one. It was 1.45 years ago. So I'm sure it's you know. Come on, times have changed. Uh, well, <laughs> and by the way, Jerry, I'd I'd see Chimmel and I'd say, by the way, 1.5 billion people hate you. <laughs> <laughs> And that's only because uh, only 1.5 billion people know him. John, John's a real <laughs> slow reader, so that 1.4 and 1.5 is just catching up there. <laughs> oh yeah, I just I just finally saw Rocky too. Oh, <laughs> I'm a little I'm a little behind time. Rocky three for you on everything. I hear Rocky three is awesome. <laughs> so have you guys got any projects coming up i know i know you mentioned your independent wrestling how's it going in bollywood have you got any projects so, going up uh, yeah no it's been cool like India? what do you got going yeah vancouver is a great place for acting it's, it's called hollywood north for a reason uh gervin and i we just finished up a netflix show called uh trade winds it's going to be releasing on netflix we did some stunt actor work on that so that's coming out in december i believe and uh i just did a movie with seth rogan which i'm very excited about wow. so that's a we coming out called Joy F Club. Uh, it's a comedy film. So I, I play an Indian, a sleazy Indian news reporter. So in this movie, yeah. <laughs> great. So there's a lot of acting stuff going on. Then I went to India and uh, got some potential projects, which you know, get John Cena on the phone and I can confirm these. <laughs> I'm telling you, Jason Sensation. No, <laughs> He'll do any of. Just have him on the other line. Say, uh, can I talk to Stone Cold? Yes, you can talk to Stone Cold. And just give him the phone. <laughs> well, impersonate him. He's he's our rich little. 
But our biggest thing right now, John and uh, Jerry, like biggest thing for us, like the dream for us as far as wrestling goes is not over. Like more than acting, more than anything else. Like this is our passion. This is like our, this like, you know, I get emotional even thinking about it. Our parents are getting up there, you know. So we still have so many dreams and goals that we want to fulfill for our parents, you know, our folks. Uh, uh, everything we do now going forward is for them. Like, you know, and our parents and our, especially our dad, like he's still our number one supporter. Like we don't leave our house or you know we go to a next town for a wrestling show without their blessing because like you know for us seeing their struggles as immigrants coming from india to canada it's for us for you know we think our story's tough you know their story's 10 times tougher and harder so we want to give back to them and do what we can and our dream of you know working wherever we can is isn't over and we we there were so many dreams and goals that we had when we were at WWE. we wanted to get into the tag team title picture we wanted to get into the tag team roster and you know, unfortunately, stuff, you know, ends up the way it is. But, you know, now it's even it, it's it's not harder, but it's like more like it's we're enjoying the ride, the second wave, so to speak. So, you know, we're uh, we're busting our asses, man. And uh, we're not we're going to continue to do so because we love this business so much. I was actually just in Florida, too, with my family. And I connected with Terry Taylor because he was always really good to us during our time in NXT. And I remember what he told me. I'll never forget. He's like he's like anybody can make it once. But he, the second time is the biggest character test of your life. It's like, can you go back the second time? And that's what, for Gerv and I, every independent show we go to, it's not like, you know, and we, we give it our all. You know, we did our first ever death match. <laughs> you know, we, you know <laughs> stuff like that where the stuff we hadn't ever done, you know, we're, we're really uh, going out and expanding our wings. And even the, the acting stuff, it's, it's all to just become, you know, complete performers and complete entertainers and whatever it is that does, that is the next step, being ready for that. And before our release, even uh, John, I'm sorry, just uh, one other thing is like, our, before our release happened, our confidence was sky high because when we were working down at the Performance Center, like doing the 205 NXT tapings uh, down at the Performance Center, you know, we were working where like, we had Shawn Michaels sitting at Gorilla. We had Hunter sitting at Gorilla. We had Regal right there when we would walk right through the curtain. And we had Fifth Finley. So, like, now, whereas nobody was watching the 205 or NXT Live product when we were being taped after SmackDown, like, now we were getting real-time feedback. So our confidence and our I feel like our work ethic has been has never been better. So we're excited. We're stoked. And uh, I'm sure you haven't seen the last of uh, the Bollywood Boys yet. Right. You certainly yeah. have it, and you're going to have two more Bollywood boys once me and Jerry dye our hair blonde. Hey, yeah. we, we need we, we need heaters. We need heaters, guys. Come on. <laughs> Just the of the- off. <laughs> That's right. I mean, we're, we're old. It doesn't matter if our hair goes away or not. Yeah. <laughs> one you guys, we need one favor from you guys. One bump each, all right? Come on. <laughs> Ooh, I don't know. You know you want, we, we can give you a bump. We may not be able to get up. From the yeah. I know I won't. Hey, even if I could, I wouldn't. Or, or you guys, can, you guys can do what Honky Tonk used to do at the in, uh, independent shows: is bump to your knees and just sell to the second rope. And uh, you know, there you go. That's a bump. Honky Tonk <laughs> did that when he was in his prime. <laughs> Honky, Tonk, Honky Tonk tells these kids, "You got one bump, so use it wisely." Right. So, <laughs> Honky Tonk has the bump equivalent of Warlord. <laughs> before you guys go i want to tell you like I, I remember when you guys were uh, back in the farmers in india so I, I just want to tell you i always thought that was so cool how you guys are using your voice to to back yeah. the back things that mean something to you and i think that's important for people to be able to do so 
I've always been so proud of you guys. Love you two guys. You guys entertain the hell out of me. And I mean that in a, in a wonderful way. I just, I'm big fans of you guys. So I want to tell you, thanks for, thanks for coming on the show. And I look forward to me and Jerry dyeing our hair blonde and becoming Bollywood boys. We, we can't learn Hindi. Hell, we can't learn English. But we'll be Bollywood boys. Yeah. I love it, man. We gotta just teach you a dance there. <laughs> Thank you guys awesome. very much, man. Thank you.